Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast of Bridgepoint Church. Stay tuned after the podcast for a short message, but for now, let's jump right in. My name's Amanda. I lead our children's ministry. If I haven't had the honor of meeting you, I'm so excited because I get to just kind of hang out and spend some time with you. This morning, it was kind of like this awkward moment where I ran into a friend in the lobby and she's like, are you teaching today? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, yeah. So I always know the Sundays that you're teaching because you look nice on those Sundays. And I was like, okay. Like, so I like look homeless, like on the other Sundays. Um, I mean, guys in full transparency, like she's not far off. Okay. Like I do sometimes kind of come in looking a little homeless, but, um, I'm glad, I'm glad that she recognized that I had to try to up my mom game a little bit today. Uh, you know, even asked my 13 year old daughter, Annie, she has like amazing like style. And I was like, hey, um, like, what do you think about this? Can I like pull this today? And she like gave me the thumbs up. She's like, yeah, you look great. Uh, some of you guys I feel like right now are judging me that I asked my 13 year old for advice. Um, but moms of daughters, don't even try to act like you guys have never done that, right? Some of you guys like chuckle. They're like, no, we never have. You're, you're alone in that. Uh, but we have a few more weeks to really just soak in and enjoy summer as a family. It's been awesome. How many of you guys are ready for kids to go back to school? <laughs> that was really confident. Um, let's try this something a little different. Students, are you guys ready to go back? Okay. Um, hey guys, just so you know, I can definitely see how many of you are over there. And that was like one or two responses. So like, you know, feel free to chime in guys. Uh, so maybe we're all kind of like, not quite sure if we want to be back at school or not. Maybe you don't have kids and you're like, I really don't care. Like, you know, August is going to look the same to me as June and July is. For me personally, we are a large family. We have six kids, uh, one of which is our foster love. And I find myself already diving into August. I see appointments on there. I see, you know, okay, this one over here wants to do gymnastics. This one's cross country. This one's violin, you know, all the different things. And I'm like starting to like, it's like a puzzle, you know, like, okay, Monday from this time, this time we're like, okay, we don't, we can't do anything then. And then before I realize it, I can look at my calendar and be like, like, I, I feel stressed, like, looking at August. I'm not even in August. Uh, I find that if I am not intentional to set aside and prioritize time with Jesus and give him my first of my calendar, there's going to be a thousand other things that are trying to get my attention and my focus and eager to keep me busy and to fill up my calendar with other things. So what would it look like going into August if we even, like, gave God our schedule that for some of you, you're like, I have room for nothing. Like it's, it's crazy seven days a week, 24 hours. What if we gave that to God this morning and we held it with an open hand and we just said, you know what? I want to make space for you, God, whatever's on here that shouldn't be on here doesn't need to be on here. It's not going to be beneficial for me. It's not beneficial for my family. It's not going to be beneficial for where you're taking me this season. Then help me just, just take that off. Show me what needs to go off. And God, the areas in my calendar, that man, I, I need to add some things in there. Show me what you want me to add. And even if I don't even know specifically what you want me to add, what if I like set aside like some time and I just put like Jesus time. So if a friend reaches out or a coworker and they're like, hey, can we get together? I don't have to be like, uh, yeah, I'm free in like two months. Um, let's go ahead and pencil that in. Instead, I can be like, oh, hey, 
Like there's flexibility and there's time in my schedule this week because God knew that we needed to have a conversation. Let's go ahead and pray together real quick, guys, and we'll jump in. Lord, we just thank you so much for today. I thank you for every single person that's here. We thank you for just the incredible team that's pouring in and investing in our kids. I pray for more of you and less of me. God, would you just take away anything that I have planned to say that you don't want said and add in anything um, that's not, that I didn't already practice or talk to you about. We just give you all the honor, glory, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I pre-warned you guys that I am in kids ministry. I love kids ministry. So feel free to like be active. Like I love like when we talk back to each other, like in a fun way, you know, I realize that kind of can come across like a little wrong, but I love when we have fun together talking. Um, I love like the energy that kids ministry brings. And so one of my favorite things to do in kids ministry is to tell stories. Like I love to go on a journey with kids that way. So we're going to have a little fun together today, and we're going to go on a story. So there's this king, and he is amazing, and he's kind, and he's generous, and he's compassionate, and he's bold, and he's brave, and he's incredibly loyal. And then he serves a kingdom that they're really prone to be selfish. They're prone to go their own way. And in fact, there's many instances in this story where the people in this kingdom have gone astray. And because they've gone astray and they've not listened to the king, they've ended up in horrible situations and circumstances. And this king is just amazing. He stands out from any other king. And instead of leaving the people and giving them and just leaving them for, you know what, I'm just gonna go find a new group of people. He stays with them and he brings them out. And so in this particular story, there's this group of people and they go and they approach the king's spokesman. And this spokesman, he's a leader. Um, the Lord, oh, the guys, okay, you guys know where I'm going at this point. The king is gonna deliver all of his messages to the people this way. And they go to the spokesman and they're like, look, we want a new king. We've looked to the left and we've looked to the right at what other nations are doing. We don't like the setup we've got going on. Like, we mix it up. Get, we, we wanna see, a, we want a king that we can see, a king that looks like us, then, then we'll be safe. Give us that. So this spokesman goes back to the king, right? And by now we know the king is God. He goes back to him and the spokesman's name is Samuel. And he tells him everything that's been said. And it's so interesting, right? Because of course, like any good king, he's not caught off guard. He knows what his people have been doing. He knows that their hearts have been turning. He knows that they've been worshiping other things, that they've been going back to old ways. And so God, the king, tells Samuel, okay, if they want a king, we'll give them a king but deliver it with a warning because they don't truly understand what they're asking for. So Samuel goes back to the kingdom, back to the Israelites, and he tells them all about reminding them what God has done, right? Hey, remember, remember what God has done. This is the same God who has parted the sea, who makes food rain down from heaven, who just wipes out enemies before you. 
but you want a king. It's not going to be like what you think it is. And yet the people, they continue to ask for it. Nope. Yeah, we understand. Got it. Okay. Uh huh. They're super teachable, right? Not really. Give us the king. And so Samuel goes back to God and God has a plan for who this king is going to be that he's going to give the Israelites. And part of this plan is for him to meet this man named Saul. And can I just say really quick, um, like a little side note, uh, have you, just raise your hand guys and don't lie, okay? Um, have you ever kind of been like a little like offended in something you read in the Bible? Okay, some of you are honest and others of you, like guys, I know you were not being honest in that moment, but um, I got a little offended, okay? Because the Bible mentions not once, not twice, I'm pretty sure it's like three times that Saul, okay, he's impressive. Okay, I, got, I get it. Some translations say he's handsome, but this is the part that was like a, like a little like offensive. It, it just continues to highlight how tall, how tall he is. He's a head taller than everybody else. Like, okay, I get it. Like, I heard you. Like, the first time, okay, I heard you the second time. Okay, by the third time, I'm like, like, good for him. Like, you know, like, that's so great. Um, I look at, you know, even my brother, I don't know if you guys can tell this, by the way, I'm only 5'2". I know a lot of you guys thought I was like 6'5", maybe 6'6", somewhere in that. But uh, my brother, Christopher, he's so tall. Um, six foot something right now, my dad's sitting here and he wants to shout out exactly how tall he is because he knows I'm off. But six foot something, super tall, never would have known in a million years that we were related. And sometimes I look at him and I'm like, what happened? Like, you know, like why, like God, just like, why can't you like knocked off a couple of those inches? Like, you know, I would like to kind of see new things. Like, you know, I kind of wonder what it's like to be that tall, you know, like from like way up there. It's like you see the world in like a whole different like perspective. Maybe even if you're like go to the beach with somebody like um, Daniel Bisgrove, um, he's amazing leader, serves the students, like super cool accent. Uh, and he is really, really tall. By the time I'm done having a conversation with him, like my neck hurts because like I have to like look up so drastically. And I think about what it must be like to either be that tall or go to the beach with somebody that tall, right? You're like swimming in the water, splashing, having fun. And then all of a sudden they're like, hey, um, 65 miles out, I see a shark coming in. Like, go ahead and let's get out of the water. Like, that's gotta be amazing. So I guess after I kind of think about it a little bit, um, I kind of get a little bit of the appeal with Saul. All right, I know you guys are like, okay, Amanda, that's it. Let's, let's move it along a little bit. So, okay, fun side note, I know I'm not the only one. Um, if you're short, like, I'm with you. Like, I get it. Um, if we go to verse nine, chapter nine, we see, I'm so sorry, guys. Um, I am just joking. Mixed up those papers, guys. Um, well, this is awkward, guys. Hang on just a second. Yes. Oh, thank you. I think that was Rick that just saved me in that moment. He's like, oh, somebody better help this girl out because I feel awkward for her. Um, all right, so 1 Samuel 10, verses 9 through 10. When Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed his heart 
And all the signs came about that day. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gilba, a group of prophets met him. Then the spirit of God came powerfully on him and he prophesied along with them. Okay, so here we see Saul has this incredible God encounter, right? Everything that Samuel said was going to happen on his way back home happened. Heart change, prophesied, powerful God encounter, things that had never happened before have happened, okay? And we see just a few verses later, Rick, you'd be proud, don't need help with this one. Uh, Verse 21 Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was selected. But when they searched for him, they could not find him. Back up for a second. We've reached a place now where Samuel has called the kingdom, has called the Israelites, everybody together, and he's now going to deliver who has been chosen to be king. So they get to that moment, and they don't know where he is. They again inquired of the Lord, has the man come here yet? Like, is he lost? Like, you know, was like, there a mistake? Does something happen? What's going on? And I just, I love this next verse so much. The Lord replied, there he is, hidden among the supplies. So the future king who just had this powerful God encounter just a few verses ago, is now hiding. Like, does he think he can play hide and go seek with God? Like, maybe I just throw like a few more supplies over my head and like, God won't know I'm there. Like, I, I, felt, I felt uncomfortable and awkward for him when I read this. And I'm like, I, I have to wonder, like, were some of the Israelites at this point thinking, whew, we definitely made a mistake on that one. We, we said we didn't want God, that we wanted this king instead to rule over us. And he's like hiding, he's like a coward, like what's happening here? And again, if I'm being totally honest, just throwing everything out here this morning, okay guys? I kind of like judged him a bit. I was like, how, how do you go from two drastics? Like, come on, you had this powerful, powerful counter with God. You know he's faithful, you, you know him. Why are you hiding? And then, you know, it's really funny. After first service, um, I'm just gonna be real again, really brutally honest with you guys this morning. I got, I like, first service had closed out and I felt so incredibly discouraged. I felt so discouraged, like just being real with you. I like just wanted to cry. Some of you aren't surprised cause you're like, well, she cries about everything, like good things and bad things, kind of everything. But like, I literally just wanted to like curl into a ball and just cry because I felt disappointed in the way that I had delivered the message. Um, and I felt like I had like disappointed God, okay? So just being real with you. And you know what's so incredible is that there, um, I, in the lobby, I happen to run into Bridget and Linda. And if you know them, you know they're incredible prayer warriors. And I grabbed them real quick and I was like, hey, like come with me really quick. Um, and so I asked them to just go ahead and pray for me. And they're just amazing women of faith and prayed for me. And I realized kind of like in that moment, like that I might be more like Saul than what I care to realize. That I've seen God show up and show out. I've seen God um, just do incredible, amazing things in my life and the people around me. And yet here I'm acting like I don't know him. Like, like as though I could disappoint my father who in reality is just so proud of me for getting up and being obedient, right? And, and then yet, 
I don't want my story to keep going like Saul's. I don't want to sit there and just go hide out. Instead, I, I want to be more like Jesus. And I want God to use my weaknesses for his glory. And I just want to say, Linda and Bridget, like so incredibly thankful for you and for the people that maybe you're in here. And maybe sometimes when you serve, maybe it's so tempting to, to not come in here too. Can I just say like, there's people that need you. Like I need you, I'm, you know, we need you here because some of you have a gift for prayer. Some of you have a story that other people in this room are going through and they're struggling with. And you have like the keys to the kingdom. You have this incredible story about how you once were where they were and God has since taken you all the way over here. And there are some people that need to be encouraged and be reminded that there is hope, that there is hope in Jesus. So I just wanna challenge all of us. Sometimes when we're tempted to maybe not be here on a Sunday if we're not serving, like show up because there's people that need you. All right, so Samuel is, goes, he sends men to get Saul and to bring him out of his hiding place. He renounces his kingship. And in just a little while later, we see that Saul is in a full-blown war with the Philistines. And in fact, they look so incredibly terrifying. There's so many of them that they number the sand on the seashore. And yet, this is God's people. Surely, they've seen God come through time and time again. They know who God is. But yet, these men these strong men of great valor, these mighty men who are seasoned warriors are fleeing, hiding in caves, crossing rivers. And then you've got the other group of men over here who they haven't found their legs yet. They're just completely frozen in fear. And this is what Saul has to look at. And so Saul is sitting here waiting and he's like, if only as soon as Samuel gets here, he's going to give an offering and then, and then it'll be fine. And then it'll be fine. But then the time that was given, it, he was supposed to be there within seven days. He's not there and it doesn't show up when he's supposed to, or at least when Saul thought he would. And so what does Saul do? The same thing that happened on the day he was supposed to be announced king the same thing that caused him to hide. We see that division in his heart, the same fear, the same insecurity that has already taken root just continues to grow. And so in this moment, what does he do? He gives the offering. He does something that he is not called to do, that he is not appointed to do, that he's not anointed to do. He wasn't supposed to touch that. But now he says, oh, I can't trust God but you know what? I need to take matters into my own hand. I can trust myself. I'm just gonna go ahead. I can manipulate the system a little bit. I'll just go ahead and give that offering. Then we'll be good to go. But we find out that's not entirely true. If we look to verse, okay, I'm gonna be real with you guys. Pastor Matt's gonna be like, Amanda, stop telling everybody so much stuff. But um, I printed them double-sided, <laughs> so uh, future note, that's never really beneficial. Uh, 1 Samuel 13, 13 through 14. 
Samuel said to Saul, you have been foolish. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. It was at this time that the Lord would have permanently established your reign over Israel, but now your reign will not endure. The Lord has found a man after his own heart and the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people because you have not done what the Lord commanded. Are we seeing this? The condition of Saul's heart, the way fear, the way insecurity crept in and grew in his heart. His divided heart now has changed the trajectory of his future. Now, God is going to appoint a new king, one who has a heart like his. And we know that that would be David who will one day take his place as king. Maybe, just maybe, a divided heart is a bit of a bigger deal than what we think it is. Maybe when we snap, when we feel like 80% of the time we're snapping at our kids, or when we feel super easily offended with our spouse, or maybe when our calendars are so full that there's no time to bring heaven on earth, maybe those are indicators of a heart that's divided. And maybe it's a warning sign to, hey, go spend some time with God. You've got some things that need to get rooted out because we know how weeds work, right? When a weed comes into the, you know, sprouts up, what's it gonna do? It's not gonna sit there and just let the plant that it's next to you like thrive. It's gonna be like sucking everything out of it. And if that root, if that weed is not pulled out at the root, it's going to suffocate that plant. That plant is going to die. That plant will not flourish and be what it was designed to be. It's the same thing for our hearts. When we are not spending consistent time with God, allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and search our hearts, we get off track from where God has us. And every single person in our inner circle can see when our hearts are divided. We might think we're pulling it together and, keep, you know, and hiding it, but we're really not. It's super apparent. Proverbs 4.23 reminds us, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. We've got to pause on this verse and just like really hold on to this verse for a second. So God's word is reminding us the importance of guarding our heart because everything we do flows from it. So when I'm snappy with my kids, heart issue. When I'm easily offended, heart issue. When I have no time in my calendar for anybody else, let alone for God, heart issue. When I spend all my time at work, at, at the expense of my family at home who hasn't seen me or interacted with me and I, and I give my best to work and my family gets the scrapings, it's a hard issue. Old habits, old things that brought us comfort, maybe before Jesus, the things we say yes to and the things we say no to are all indicators of what we worship are all indicators of the direction that we're going, of the fruit that we're gonna yield in the next season. So how do I have a heart after God's own heart? A heart like David? Because I think most of us might be a little familiar with the story of David. How, how is it that he made, tons of, he made tons of mistakes, he sinned against God, right? 
he was over here, like, you know, checking out this girl, and he didn't just check her out, which, you know, he should have been checking her out in the beginning, but, you know, <laughs> I felt really awkward, does other things, okay, and then um, her husband, what does he do with her husband? Has him killed, Okay, so David too has sinned against God. Why is his story so different, so drastically different from Saul's? Because as whenever David was sinning against God, he kept turning back to God. That's what made him stand out. That's what kept his heart like a heart, like a man's heart after God's own heart. That's what made it so significant. He had a spirit of humility. He knew he was in the wrong. And he wanted to be who God had called him to be. And he genuinely grieved for what he had done. So if we want to have that heart, that pure heart, that's going to propel us towards those goals and those dreams that we have for ourselves, maybe our families, our work, whatever that looks like, we need to remember three things. Ask. Psalms 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit within me. That is so encouraging, guys, that God is such a loving father that he says, come to me, yes, ask me for things. And when we ask him for things that are in alignment with his word, what great joy it gives God. Yes, yes, you want a clean heart? Yes, yes. You know that there's some division in your life and that your actions and your words are a reflection of the division that's taking place in your heart? Yes, come talk with me about this. Confess, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It feels like when I read this verse, like I can take like a deep breath again, that I can remember that God has forgiven me for all of my sins and that even as I make mistakes, there's times where like I have to like apologize to other people or even like my kids. Um, that just like my family so embraces me and is so quick to forgive, um, God is even quicker, right? God is even, um, once he forgives us, he doesn't see that anymore. He sees us like white as snow. So we can run to him. He's a safe place. We can confess, we can confess those things that know, well, maybe that we think nobody knows or that maybe we haven't been transparent and shared before. He's that safe place. He's a loving father. Three, worship. Luke 4, 8, Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Worship is more than 15 minutes a Sunday once a week. That's not true worship. Pastor Matt has always said this, the way we live our life is an act of worship. So again, we go back to that calendar. What we prioritize is what we worship. What we say yes to and what we say no to. Are our schedules so full that we don't have time anymore to be in God's house consistently? Well, I mean, I don't really need that because... You know, I mean, I, I'm like praying and talking to God outside of that. No, but remember, rem like remember my story, even from just this morning, that there's people like me that need you here, that need you to come alongside to pray for us, to encourage us, and to remind us that we're not in this alone. 
do we have time in our schedules to pour out to other people? And by pouring out, we're talking about bringing heaven to earth. Intentional time we're investing with others. You know, I think about people like Ryan Burwald and Adam Burwald, who um, over summer, they have spent their summer meeting here at 8.30 in the morning and taking the younger boys that are in middle school running. Like one of the oldest boys, Ryan, you know, he's, he's out of college right now. He's home for the summer. He has every reason to like kick back. And people would say, oh, he's young. Like, you know, like just, you know, it, it makes total sense, right? We put these expectations on people. And yet, what is he doing? He's not kicking back. He's looking for ways to be intentional with the people that God has placed in front of him. You know, Adam, who's in high school. And let me tell you, like, he's not a morning person, right? Like when I mentioned 8.30, when we're talking about the time, he's like, ooh, that's early. But yet he continues to show up. The way we live our life is an act of worship. That person that you're at work with, that person who you know you have influence with, that they really look up to you. And it's kind of irritating because you kind of feel like God nudging you, like you should spend some time and talk with them. But maybe they seem like annoying or weird or something, or maybe they have like a weird obsession with animals. Like, I mean, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) But that's the person. This is how we worship God. This is what we do. We take time, all of our time that we have, we say, God, it's not mine, it's yours. Show me who you wanna spend time with. Who do I need to be texting throughout the week? Who needs to be encouraged? This is what it looks like. This is how we worship. Show me your calendars. I meant to think I mentioned this earlier. Show me your calendars and I'll show you what you worship. And I'm not just saying this to you, I'm saying this to myself because this is something that God's been working with me on. Does my family have space and time to rest? Do we have time to serve God's house as a family? Do we have time to invest in deep friendships? Maybe you feel a little stuck this morning and maybe for you, or maybe you just don't care, let's be honest. Maybe you're like, okay, I hear all this, but I don't hear this. And yeah, I know, I know God's not a priority in my life and I'm kind of okay with it. Can I just tell you something? Like this is why I am so passionate about this message. This is why I wanna encourage you to take this week and take 10 minutes. We're gonna work on our spiritual practices. Take 10 minutes a day and spend this time with God because by doing that, I want you to experience the fullness of what it looks like to be in relationship with God. A friend of mine asked me, Amanda, why do you spend time with God? Like, why, why is that a priority? In all transparency, I've missed time with God more times than I care to count. But man, nothing feels better when I get back on track in that healthy routine and that, and that devoted time with Him. So Amanda, why is that such a prioritize? Why, why is that such a priority to you? I started giving some answers and stuff. And he's like, no, like stop giving me spiritual answers like answers that you think I wanna hear. Just like, tell me, like, doesn't need to be eloquent. Why, why do you prioritize time with Jesus? And I'm like, because I need him and I love him. That's it. If you're sitting here today and you haven't, you maybe you've never even talked to Jesus before, or maybe it's been a while since you've been with him and you've forgotten what, it be, what it's like to be in love with him. 
I just want to encourage you. I need God because I've spent years without following him. And I know what I look like when I'm not doing life with Jesus. And it is not pretty. I know that I'm prone to selfishness. I know that I'm prone to anxious thoughts and fearful things. I know that I'm prone to controlling. But man, when I sit down with God, there's nothing like it. The peace that comes in, I, I'm a visual learner. And so I like to prayer journal. There's just something about seeing the things that I'm anxious about or fearful of, or the things that I'm hopeful for God for. There's something about writing it down and seeing it on paper. It feels like it's like I'm releasing and giving that to God. Because when I talk to God about those anxious and fearful things, you know what, it's just so beautiful. He reminds me of how actually small this thing is in comparison with how great and how powerful He is. He is the beginning and the end. He is loyal, loyal. He is faithful even when I'm unfaithful. Man, He has just walked beside me through some tough, tough seasons. I love Him because I've seen him do a work in me and in the people um, around me. I love him. I love just spending time with him. I love singing his worship and just praises to him. I love him because I spend time with him. He is so good. He is so faithful. There's nothing else like him. And I know that no matter what I turn to, it won't be anything like a moment spent in His presence. A moment spent in His presence is so sweet, is so powerful. It convicts me and it changes me. It draws me close. It carries me. And so for the person that's in here that you just don't know if you wanna make that a priority, what do you have to lose? You've lived life like, you, you know, like your own for all of this time. So let's give it a go together. Let's commit this week to spending 10 minutes a day with God. Put it on your calendar. Tell a friend before you leave so they can hold you accountable. And in that, bless you, in that time with God, we're gonna ask him, God, would you create in me a clean heart? We're gonna confess the areas of division that is spoiling our hearts and, and just impacting the areas in our life. And we're gonna worship. We're gonna worship Him by being willing. Yes, God convicts us, but He also gives us next steps. So we're gonna worship Him by being obedient to whatever your next step looks like. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank You so much for what you're doing in each of our lives. I pray that even over this next few moments where we just sit and we're still with you, God, would you just speak to each and every one of us and would you speak to the person in this room that says they've never heard from you, that they don't know you, and maybe they're giving a thousand reasons of why they can't follow you. God, would you just pierce through every single wall? Would you soften every single heart in this room? And would you anoint our feet to take the steps that you're calling us to take? We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Thanks for listening to the Bridgepoint Church Podcast. I hope we've shared something meaningful for you wherever you're at in your spiritual journey. Just so you know a little bit more about us, we meet on Sunday mornings in downtown Woodstock, but we also meet during the week in what we call life groups, and that's where the really good stuff happens for us. If you're becoming a regular listener of this podcast, we'd like to invite you to make it relational, just like we do during the week. Grab a Bible, invite some friends to join you, and turn this into a conversation. If you're already a regular listener and would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting us online at bpc.life and choosing the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for listening.